Hey everyone, it's 8.15, it's Friday night, it's December 16th, uh, it's episode 75, The Bannoning, <laughs> uh, and simply Elon Musk and the Ethics of Owning Twitter. I'm Stephen L. Miller, uh, welcome. Um, I am uh, not the most popular guy these days or in these parts, and that's okay because this isn't a popularity contest. Obviously, as I launched last night, uh, I intended to talk about Trump and NFTs and what have you, and that's right when uh, a bunch of a group of journalists were suddenly banned off of Twitter that included Ryan Mack of the New York Times, uh, Washington Post journalists, Intercept journalists, as well as uh, worst account on Twitter, Aaron Rupar, who, by the way, is now all over CNN. Great work, team, um, as well as Keith Olbermann and a few others. And... Uh, a how, shall how we say robust debate followed uh, both here uh, as it was kind of developing and then of course throughout the night on Twitter. Uh, the other kind of one of the other fallouts is that Ben Collins has been sidelined by NBC for reportedly his over activist tweets or whatever on Elon Musk, which is the funniest reason to suspend Ben Collins uh, because he, I don't know, maybe should have been suspended over smearing an entire group of people as a journalist without evidence over the Club Q shooting. So this net was cast far and wide, and since then there's been a big debate about um, what is doxing, what are the rules on Twitter. Um, as I wrote in The Spectator today, uh, simply titled, Elon Musk is making it up as he goes along. And uh, using Twitter as kind of a personal celebrity enforcement mechanism, which doesn't really have any good outcomes for anybody. And that includes the uh, kind of the people on the political online right who have kind of come to worship him and have just fallen in line with any definition of doxing that he so chooses. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, that I found in this whole thing is about this, this account, Elon Jet. And is this account uh, noteworthy in the sense of it, he's using bots, this kid is using bots to basically track not only Elon Musk's jet, but jets of other celebrities, famous people. And as Tom Rogan wrote uh, over at the examiner and in, in, uh, again, in the, in the spirit of transparency, one of my editors at uh, the Washington examiner had wrote that flight tracking data, is public, and I'll get to this in a moment, but it's also used to track all sorts of things, uh, Russian oligarchs, celebrities, uh, diplomats, things of that nature, uh, even college football coaches. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, my, my voice is just about gone again. Um, and this idea, and Musk also banned uh, a DC helicopter traffic tracker. Um, I saw a great joke on Twitter that basically said the, the, the Santa trackers are screwed this Christmas. But I want to read exactly what is going on here with, is this doxing, is it private information, uh, real-time location information, etc. There is a uh, account called Twitter Takeover who basically says, how does, Elon keep, how does Elon Jet keep doxing Elon's jet despite the jet being on a block list? It says even blocked planes aren't truly private. In these cases, uh, Sweeney, who is the autistic 4chan kid behind uh, Elon Jet, uses data from the ADSB transponders present on most aircraft, which show a plane's location in the air in real time is charted on the ADSB exchange. Parsing this information is like a logic puzzle. Sweeney's bots 
can use a plane's altitude combined with how long ago the data was received to determine when it is taking off or landing. They can then cross-reference latitude, longitude with a database of airports to determine where the plane is leaving or headed. And though Sweeney's bots can't pull from blocked FAA date, data to figure out where the plane plans to go, they can cross-reference the real-time ADSB data with another website that posts anonymized versions of the FAA flight plans. This allows the bot to match the plane it is tracking in real time to the anonymized FIA flight plans and determine each plane's intended destination. This is information that is all entirely public and can be used to track most private aircraft. Now, I don't deny that this isn't creepy, and I said so on the podcast today. And I, this is not like something that I would practice in real life. It's not something I even necessarily endorse. But to suggest that this is the doxing of Elon Musk's private information, where he's going, where he's headed, um, is just simply, it's, it's a misdirection. And he is basically redefining again, uh, what doxing is to basically suit, uh, changing policy at Twitter on the whim of a tweet, which is what pretty much the regime at old Twitter did. Uh, under the guise of safety accounts were just banned out of the blue. We saw Donald Trump's account was banned. They could, they didn't know how to justify it. So they basically made up a rule and Elon Musk seems to be kind of, you know, whipping up Twitter rules based on his emotional state at the time, which resulted in uh, his child in LA being followed supposedly by a driver in black block gear. And so he's not really making Twitter policy as a rational developer uh, in charge of uh, a platform that is a global communication tool. He's doing it as someone who is uh, emotional over a possible stalking attempt at one of his children. And no good decisions usually come out of emotional uh, reactions like that. We saw the even had a kind of back and forth with Barry Weiss today. And uh, you can put me kind of squarely in the, Bar the Barry Weiss, the body of Sarah Saran and that camp with Twitter policy being driven by the whims of a tweet where he tweets out a new policy and then tells his team to now go make a policy behind it. That's unsustainable. It was unsustainable behind, uh, behind the old Twitter regime, which of course we have the new Twitter files drop, but I was going to save that for tomorrow. And it's going to be unsustainable if, uh, if Elon Musk is to basically use Twitter as his own kind of personal mechanism. Uh, it's his platform. He owns it. He can do what he wants with it. Uh, but this is a way to uh, pretty much completely end this platform. And maybe that's a good thing for society and maybe it's a good thing for journalism in the news industry. So everyone's pretty clear by now about where I stand on this. So I want to hear your thoughts and uh, you're free to challenge me. You're free to agree with me. You're free to bring any opinion you want. Uh, so let's, I guess, have it out for about an hour. Uh, just the usual ground rules. Uh, just remember to please mute your microphone if you're not speaking. It just makes it easier for the listening audience, makes it easier for me, and also makes it easier for the published recording. Also, uh, we do have kind of quite a few people back there, so just uh, be uh, aware that you might have someone behind you in the queue. Um, and so I know that the conversation just kind of takes its weird turns, and we don't, it doesn't always go that way. But uh, just be please mindful that there are other people behind you who also have kind of their own thing to say. Uh, with that, um, I'm going to bring up Mitchell, who's in the back, and uh, who's just... Uh, Mitchell, go ahead. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on, say, uh, Musk Twitter? Do you agree with banning of the journalists who... Uh, the, the Elon Jet account, I think, is debatable. 
but he then mass banned accounts uh, that were linking to either Mastodon or he also blocked linking to Mastodon uh, directly, which is exactly the kind of action he criticized with the New York Post story and the Hunter Biden story. So there's a lot here. Uh, uh, yeah, it, I, uh, I can't say that I agree with him doing it. Um, I, I'm not surprised that he did it. And, it, you know, I think it's pretty clear that there's obviously a lot of uh, emotional decision making going on here. I'm always left wondering, it's it's like, is this his $44 billion play thing? And the Tesla and the SpaceX people support it because it keeps them out of his hair? You know, and will he eventually lose interest in this and then hire professionals to run it and step back and go back to... The other thing, uh, whatever other thing he wants to focus on in a given moment. I'm just, it's, I just find myself trying to constantly wrap my brain around what he's thinking about as he's knee deep in this shit. Um, I kind of look at it as he is looking at it as kind of a play thing. I think he wants to revamp what Twitter is. Um, he wants to rethink what it is and, the problem is, is but if he's making decisions similar like old Twitter did, then, you know, it, it speaks a lot about what content moderation is. Um, maybe he overestimated this stuff. But the, the thing is, this wasn't this hasn't been the only time he did this with Twitter blue. And so when he basically said, we're rolling out Twitter blue, anyone can have a, a blue check. It's going to be eight dollars. And suddenly the platform was run rampant with impersonation. And then Elon Musk says, new rule, uh, anyone impersonating is bad. And it's kind of like he's just making that by decree. And I'm not arguing that he doesn't have a right to do that, but it just re it just sows chaos among the entire platform. And I know that there's, again, and there's a lot of, you know, hypocrisy and there's layers of irony to the accounts that were banned. And of course, a ton of online accounts on the right were, you know, just overdosing a schnattenfreude over this whole thing. And I think that there's legitimate points, but all of that kind of happened under the old Twitter regime. And I do understand that a lot of these accounts did not come to the defense of the New York Post. And so I'm not yes. so much here defending the accounts that were banned. Um, but what I am doing is pointing out the fact that Elon Musk is acting very much like Yoel Roth in the idea of banning accounts under the guise of Yeah, to, I, I I do totally agree with that. I I you know the other the other thing that I find fascinating in this whole thing is there's a there's a definite Silicon Valley mindset around bias to action, move fast, break things, you know, and we saw that very early on at Facebook. Um, it was Mark know, Mark Zuckerberg saying was move fast and break things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we all remember the whale, the, the Twitter whale, when things went, when, when everything's would go sideways back in the, uh, back in the day there. And I can't help but think that what we're going through right now is his move fast break things mode before he, it all finally settles down, um, and becomes a little bit more well run. But I certainly am enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's interesting and the reactions certainly are interesting all over the place. Um, you know, one of the things I noted in, in you know, in, in, as the political rights kind of grave dancing on a lot of these accounts is I'm kind of like, these things never turn out like the way that you want them. And sure enough, here's Aaron Rupar popping up all over CNN tonight. 
And that is someone who does not need to have their profile elevated any more than it already is in media. And he's also being called a top journalist. Now, I get that a lot of people are like, who cares what CNN's going to do or anything like that? But there's there's a kind of a cascade effect that follows. So Rupar will be on CNN and then he'll be on SMEC. And now he's getting book deals. And now you've just enriched him even more than he possibly already was. And that's kind of one of my philosophies with just leaving these people alone. It's similar to how old Twitter uh, was has now turned people like Matt Gates into a martyr because they just wanted to ban him and all of these accounts that they just banned that are coming out through the Twitter files. And there's always there's always a Streisand effect that happens with this kind of stuff. And the idea that you think you can control that is Musk saw with the impersonation stuff that forced him to now roll out multiple checks of gold, gray, blue, purple, yellow, whatever. Um, it, he, he doesn't seem to be someone who thinks three, four, five steps ahead. And it's certainly when he's kind of an emotional state after, you know, an incident with his son. And uh, I, I'm not denying that he shouldn't act. He shouldn't at least have that emotional response. He's someone who seems to have that response a lot with children. As he said, he would not bring Alex Jones back. Um, but as a father with, you know, a 40, like you said, a $44 billion plaything, uh, he's, he's dictating content moderation policy to a global communications tool uh, that has governments, it has world leaders on it, it has all of, you know, whether or not it's a big deal in real life is kind of beside the point in this argument. And he's running it like an irrational father uh, over the attack of one of his children. I get why he's upset and his kids should be off limits. Uh, we know, you know, I don't know the exact details, but he banned Donnie O'Sullivan just based on a police report of his son. So Musk is kind of signaling like, leave, I just want my privacy. He's kind of acting like a Hollywood celebrity here where any reporting done on him or his family is going to be met with a ban hammer. And that leads nowhere good. Um, I don't think his kids are newsworthy. I don't think they should be tailed. I do think they should be off limits. I do think he has reason for concern, given some people that are out there, and given the fact that Antifa has tweeted that they that they plan on targeting Tesla uh, factories and things like that. So I'm not minimizing the incident. What I'm saying is uh, he needs to have some people around him that can present a kind of uh, devil's advocate, cooler heads prevail style moderation. And uh, so for instance, is just like this, where Musk is, you know, you can picture him at headquarters, just ready to pound the keys and you need someone to basically hold him back and say, okay, let's think about what's going to happen if you do this. Um, and it doesn't appear that there is that. I, I fully like look at this and see just Elon Musk sitting there banning people himself as he goes down the line. And this is not this is no this is not going to preserve this platform in a way uh, that's good for anybody and certainly people on the political right because as you saw he just turned on Barry Weiss and so you look at this and you kind of go all right what what's he doing here and like I said to me he's just he's acting like uh, a father who saw an incident with his with his child the problem is is he has more responsibilities and he can't really just be that guy. Yeah, and I and I'd add to that that here he is putting out, uh, letting them put out the Twitter files, and he's stomping all over that and obliterating it out of the conversation. And CNN's not covering the Twitter files; they're covering Rupar. So you know, which serves them because they have an excuse to avoid tr covering the Twitter files, um, and we're not hearing that important stuff. Completely agree with you, Stephen.
Uh, yeah, and, you know, I'm still kind of pouring over uh, the Twitter file stuff today, but basically for what I got from it tonight is the FBI doesn't like jokes. <laughs> and, uh, they, the, the FBI is just sitting around in their fucking dockers and uh, their plaid shirts and policing jokes on Twitter while mass shooters who are on their radar are just going, you know, unassailed force or unaccounted for. Yeah, so um, um, that's kind of what I got. That's kind of what I got from it tonight, but I'm going to have to look over that more. For yeah. It's, so Mitch, it's I'll, very, give you, I'll give you a last Yeah, no, uh, Hopefully you'll talk about it tomorrow and I'll join. But from what I read, it's very, very, very fascinating that they were, uh, Taibi referenced the owner canine relationship between the FBI and Twitter with the uh, FBI being the owner. And as you read through it, it, it reads exactly like that. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Mitchell. Good to, good to hear from uh, you and good to hear from uh, new people up there. So I always like doing that. Uh, go ahead and bump. Uh, Joseph, go ahead. Oh, hold on. Uh, I was having a mute glitch there for a problem. Joseph, I uh, can't hear you, but it looks like your your mic is on. I will. Uh, uh, Joseph, go ahead and just let maybe reboot the app, rejoin the room, and jump back in the queue, and I'll I'll bump you up. Hey, Stephen. Um... I'm going to dis- not not entirely disagree with you a little bit. I'm just going to provide another perspective. Please do. Um, and Please. Kind of how, how I see it. Um, I'm a father of two. So obviously I hear, you know, I, I hear someone's child threatened and I go right to that place. And so I'd like to uh, kind of a, a story that didn't wasn't really covered on the podcast and last week and kind of compare and contrast from this and and I don't think you're entirely wrong. Elon Musk does have responsibilities outside of a father. But as a father, I will be the first to tell you fatherhood is my first and most important responsibility. And, you know, someone threatens my children, like the rules are off the table. It's 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 open season. And I see Elon Musk as somebody with a lot of wealth and a lot of power who generally exercise it fairly responsibly but somebody went out of bounds with his kid if it's to be believed uh and he went a little out of bounds to respond with a overwhelming response so that hopefully not only to nip that one in the bud but also deter things in the future and have people you know think twice about you know following him compulsively i totally you're not wrong though in your i think uh, the problem is i think the problem is where the disconnect is is he had he had once said that he would he was fine with the elon jet account on twitter and then of course the incident happens with this so which he's he's basically claiming is directly linked to the elon jet tracker um i don't know if that's true i haven't read anything about that to suggest the person who was following his kid was using the Elon Jet tracker. Um, I don't see how banning 
journalists, and I, and, and I said on the podcast today, I despise a good chunk of them. And uh, I don't really weep for most of the ones that got caught up in this. Uh, but I don't understand how banning those accounts is going to stop Antifa from, you know, photographing or following his family. If anything, to me, that shows that they can probably get to, you know, they can kind of get under his skin and he can act out in, in an irrational way. And the other problem with this is this is going to create a kind of aggravated relationship now with the media, which is they see this as uh, they know that they can kind of get to him and they're going to keep poking him and it's going to be just adversarial like it was with Trump. And it doesn't do any of us any good with this. And so I guess uh, I do get the father angle on this, um, but I guess I don't understand how banning journalist accounts uh, is the re correct response to that. But to me, the correct response is to find the person responsible. And like I said, I think that there can be a debate over the Elon Jet account in the way he was kind of circumventing, you know, the PIA system through the FAA to kind of uh, find the jet and track the jet or whatever. So I think that that is debatable. Um, the problem is, is um, that when you ban reporters like Donnie O'Sullivan, who I, I said today, I cannot fucking stand. This is a reporter who goes to uh, Trump rallies and holds a big microphone in front of people's face and tries to make them feel stupid. And these aren't people in the public discourse. They're just people exercising their First Amendment right. You can call them kooks. You can call them crazy. It doesn't matter. Um, and I'm not a fan of any of these people. Uh, but when, you know, he's linking to the police report, that is, you know, that's something that is newsworthy, especially if this person is caught and if this person actually did what Milan Musk said he did and he's prosecuted, to me, that's the person who holds the responsibility, not the reporters linking to Mastodon. And this is, like you said, he go he did go overboard. And I think that that's a good way of saying it. And, and you say that, hey, I'm a dad. I'm going to give you an overboard response. But the overboard response, he basically became exactly everything that he criticized about old Twitter's management. And not just the banning of the journalists. It's the fact that he, he blocked links to Mastodon itself. And then he killed Twitter spaces last night. So there was a Twitter space going on with the worst people in media. Yeah, all of them were there. And he joined for about two minutes and went, look, you're, you're banned if you dox. That's it. No, there's no difference between journalists or citizens. And I don't think that there should be, by the way. Um, I, I think journalists have hid behind that for far too long, in particular, the hypochondriac columnist for The Washington Post. So I'm fine with that. OK. Um, but then after the space, uh, it was shut down and the recording was erased and Twitter's spaces was shut down. So he's clearly kind of in vindictive Twitter owner mode. And you don't make good decisions, especially con uh especially when it comes to the issues of content moderation when you're in that mode. So no, you're you're absolutely right. Like any censorship, it's meant to chill speech. He's out there, you know, it's it's not a secret he's trying to chill speech. I definitely see the difference between chilly speech that politically hurts Democrats and chilling speech that, you know, he sees is directly linked to uh his, you know, an incident with his child. The thing, the story from last week that I felt like kind of went under the radar that I wanted to use as a contrast was Elon Musk is a is a emotional father with power, and that that kind of like investigation and charges that came from the whole Loudoun County thing from from last year is to me a 
excellent contrast in a father without power. The father who went to, you know, uh, school board meetings where they're like, actually, transgender bathrooms are good. And we've never had a single incident. And he's probably, you know, I've never watched too much of the video, but, you know, exactly what I would be doing, screaming at the top of my lungs, my child was raped in the goddamn bathroom, you fucking assholes. Pardon my French. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that comes out when the idea of your child being hurt. And, and it's and, also worth noting well, how, he, how he was treated in the media. He was treated as like a screaming lunatic who had to be carried out of the the room in handcuffs. And um, so, uh, again, I, I understand that, you know, I'm not crying tears for these people. Um, I just don't want to see them murdered. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to you're right on what you're describing. I just wanted people to know like how that, that father was described in media. He was described as kind of like a lunatic who had to be escorted out in handcuffs. Yeah. Like I said, the, the really the, the, the parent emotion really thing is really the only thing that made me think of it. And I was like, if there's anything that could turn me into a terrorist and make me go full Siraj is, uh, you know, making a scenario to where there's no, my children get hurt. I'm powerless to do anything about it. There's no justice and gaslight it, gaslight me telling me it's not even happening. Like that's, that's where I cease to participate in civil society and I just want blood. So that's, that's what I'll end on. So so, sorry, FBI. No, this is an actual free speech app, and I will not be turning over your information to the FBI, FYI. I don't think David Sachs would either. Um, no, I, I, I 100% get the sentiment, and, and I don't think you're alone in the sense that uh, people, fathers or even parents, people also, um, again... He has larger responsibilities as well that just don't pertain to that particular uh, thing. So uh, just going right down the line. Uh, ben. Hi, Stace. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Good morning where you are, I guess. Yeah, I've just gone past noon. Um, so look, I, I, I both agree. I, I both agree and disagree. Um, on, on kind of your position. Where I disagree is on Elon Jet. Um, I think there's a difference between pub- posting public information um, and kind of tabulating, you know, fractions of public information through bots and algorithms to generate a factoid. Um, because that, unless you're getting hacked material, that's effectively what a lot of doxing these days is. So I, I, don't, I think if it's not doxing itself, it's in the ballpark of doxing. Um, and if Elon Musk wanted to ban it, um, I think that's entirely reasonable. If not for two things, and this is where I do agree with you. Uh, the first one is he said he was fine with Elon, with Elon Jet, uh, and he should have stuck with that. Uh, and then the second one is, as you said, there was nothing that I haven't read or seen anything to indicate that the the black block black block nut job used Elon Jet at all, and it just feels like so. Even if it is kind of tenuous, whether it's doxing or not, 
fact that he's reacted this way, whilst entirely understandable, uh, I, I concur with you. It's not a good sign. Um, I think some of the journalists, uh, the ones that shared the police report, that's, yeah, that goes beyond the pale. To play a bit of devil's advocate, I think there was an element that some of the journalists knew the rule had changed and skirted that line and walked over that line anyway. Uh, you know, Keith, um, uh, I've just gone blank, uh, but, you know, some of them were deliberately stepping over the line that they knew had been arbitrarily drawn, but they did it anyway. But it's definitely overall still not, not a great look. So in a kind of newer development, Katie Natopoulos, who was she's a BuzzFeed journalist, she's a tech journalist for BuzzFeed, she still is, I think she's the only person left over there. She was the primary host of the Twitter space last night where Ben Smith also was a co-host in that and obviously all of our favorite tech journals were there and that's the one where Elon Musk jumped in. Kate Natopoulos is saying, my account is banned from Twitter spaces now. She says, here's what happens if I try to join or start a Twitter space. Twitter rules violation. You can't participate or go live because you violated the Twitter rules. If you think there's been a mistake, contact our support team. You can download an archive of your data. And this is what I'm talking about. It is Musk just basically going after anyone who he views in journalism as talking about him or reporting. Kate Natopoulos didn't report on Elon Jet. All she did was host a Twitter space to talk about it. And again... This pushes me into asking questions like this, and I'm not going to sit here and defend, but it, this is what I mean. It looks like Musk is just lashing out in every direction over this stuff. And if he's doing this on kind of emotional biases and whims, it's not just going to be against journals one of these days. It's going to be people on the political right that he just doesn't see uh, that he likes or whatever, or you think that he agrees with. That is the problem with dictating policy this way. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's my fundamental belief as well. Um, the stuff with Elon Jet, I can take or leave. Um, but at the same time, it, I just need to, you know, it's hard to get so messed up about this when, you know, we've just had confirmation that the FBI was, you know, busy not doing its job and just acting as a moderation board for Twitter. Um, so I think what Taibi's put out today puts this in a little bit of context. It's not great. It's arbitrary. Musk needs a he needs a guy next to him to tell him to calm down. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, at least it's not the FBI, um, you know, telling him what to do. We hope, <laughs> you know, like that's this is why I'm I'm I said you know on my podcast that I'm I'm skeptical of cults of personality. So when Elon Musk arrives on Twitter and he's bought it and now every single person to the right of National Review is a reply guy hoping to get his attention over this kind of stuff, um, I'm even more concerned and skeptical of people who lean into that personality cult that develops around them. And this is where my skepticism with Musk comes from. And needless to say, I don't think I will be on any private flights of his anytime soon. Yeah, look, I mean, we should we could consider ourselves lucky that he's using Twitter as his kind of power base to respond to this, not SpaceX, because if I was Musk, I probably would have dropped the Falcon 9 black block ass. Yeah, yeah he just, he, he's just going to launch a rocket at San Francisco. 
move his friends out and, and just nuke San Francisco. Um, oh, I mean, that reminded me of something I was going to say, and I just completely forgot. Uh, I'm sure it, it will come to me as I've had a, a, a thousand of these thoughts over the last 24 hours. But uh, ben- no, that, that's all I got. Um, it's disconcerting. No, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. So what? Yeah, I mean, what kind of what you said about is it's good he's using Twitter for these things. Uh, his reply to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez last night, I thought was great. She's like, you know, stop the proto-fascism, put down your phone and go outside. And he just laughed and went, you first. And I noted that Musk's power isn't from banning these accounts. It's responding to them. It's replying to them. That, to me, I think is the power that he wields. And I said that I hope he learns that over just, you know, the the, the simple act of dropping. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's, that's when Musk at his best, when he's being that kind of, that imp um, on, on social media. It's when he starts to do this stuff, yeah, that's where I'm in your camp. It does get disconcerting. Uh, good to hear from you, Ben. I'm going to go ahead and move on. Um, uh, uh, cheers. <laughs> have a good one down there, wherever you, you're, you're in Australia, right? Is New Zealand or yeah, Australia? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Don't don't get killed by any giant bugs, please. I'll try. <laughs> no promises. Thanks, man. Go ahead and mute. I'll just go ahead and kick you out of the room. There he goes. Uh, And it also looks like there's a bit of a delay tonight. Um, so I don't know if it's the app or whatever, but uh, just kind of be patient. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm sure you probably gleaned this from my uh, Patreon comments, but I'm just – and I, I don't have any problem with you covering it or anybody else covering it. I'm just so tired of the Twitter drama. It's like – I mean, between this Elon shit uh, last night and the Twitter files, it's been like every day for like the past month, it seems. Like, yeah, like, my God, there's something, you know, there's got to be something else going on. Um, uh, imagine how I feel when, uh, <laughs> so today, uh, I was, I was going into my gym and, uh, I look at, I look at Twitter as on the, uh, the air bike warming up and I look at, and I see Taibi dropping Twitter files for, and all I thought was I'm so fucking tired. Like that's, that was the first like thing that just went through my head. It's just, it's kind of a non-stop barrage of some of its news, some of its nonsense kind of thing. And uh, I'm kind of like, I just kind of want a nice Saturday for a change. Yeah, because, you know, we thought we, um, I think everybody thought, you know, like with Barry Weiss's last thread, everyone's like, okay, maybe it's going to tone down for a little bit. And then Elon goes crazy. And then they drop more Twitter files. And it's like, Jesus, we just wanted a weekend, man. Just a weekend to talk about dad's presidential campaign. But or his uh, NFTs, which all sold out. <laughs> and that was actually kind of what I wanted to talk about and kind of just because, again, I think I already made it. Please do. I on the uh, on the Twitter stuff. I think I already made my points clear there. Um, and just the difficulty actually, you know, uh, coming up with a policy that's going to be, you know, good on stuff like this. It just seems unbelievably uh, technical to do that. But um, kind of to roll it in together is like, uh, and I know we had talked about pre- previously about how Elon is n- now the main character of 
not only Twitter, but just politics in general. And it's just like, Uh, you dropped off a bit there, Samuel. I think the app is being glitchy tonight, so we'll just try to get through this. And it's just not, he's just, nobody cares about him anymore. Like, the only thing that even makes him relevant is when he does some stupid shit. Like, you know, he he's constantly, you know, truthing about, like, the election, and uh, he's talking about the Twitter files, and just nobody cares. And I just think it's, again, coming down to, I don't really know whether or not he wants to run, but like he's just floundering right now, which is why this was his declaration was so stupid because I I don't remember who tweeted it. Um, I don't think it was Sonny Bunch, but it was somebody like that. Who's like, um, you know, I kind of forgot that he had declared a month ago. Like I kind of forgot that he even announced for president. And then this NFT thing happens and it's just so cringe like I watched the video of him like reading about the uh, uh, the NFTs, and honestly, like if Saturday Night Live was going to like parried, parody it, would they need to change the words or anything, or would they just read his exact quote from that clip? Because it's just like one of the most cringeworthy things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I think part of it also was there was this air of him not like I don't want to say he didn't know what it was. But he was oh, kind he of like, this is stupid. Why are you making me do this kind of thing? It was kind of what I get. Like, you see when when Trump speaks and he's in his zone and he knows, you know, when he's in wrestling mode, you know, wrestling interview mode, um, and he's hitting all of his rhythms and he's like, you know, uh, whatever. And then you can see when he's talking either to a prompter or whatever, and you can see he's not interested in the topic. And that's kind of what I got from that video. It's, he was just like, he's probably the kind of guy who's like digital trading cards are so stupid. You know, I mean, people forget Trump was like the one guy that Ali G uh, couldn't get over on him with the one handed ice cream glove. Uh, when he sat down with Trump and Trump was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This interview's over and he gets up and he leaves. And uh, so to me, it was just, he was disinterested in it. It was kind of like, why the fuck am I doing this kind of thing? Uh, but I mean, along the lines of Twitter's not real life, he sold all of them apparently. And there's one on eBay that's going for like $24,000 right now. This is hell. There's no, this is, this is the end of, you know, this is Harvey Dent with a gun to his head at the end of the dark night saying you, there is no escape from this. And so just when you think like you're in that, and I'm saying that to kind of counter what you're saying, which is, you know, he's floundering and it feels like he's over and stuff like that, but he's still going to sell out his rallies whenever he starts them. Um, And I do, I maintain that I sincerely believe he thought he was going to be reinstated as president. I think he truly 100% believed either the kooky shit people were telling him or whatever theory he had that they would decertify the election and he would just walk back in. And now that I think he knows that that's obviously not going to happen, I do sincerely question, does he actually want to go through a year and a half long campaign again um, with all of the things that he needs to do again? He needs to show up for debates. He needs to go show up at rallies. He needs to travel every state. Does he really want to do that? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, for the first time, I'm questioning if he actually, if he actually really wants to run. I think he thinks he has to because he lost. 
or he, he needs to prove the point, but does he want to? Does his family want to? I don't know. It... Well, and just to kind of build off what you said in terms of like his motivation, and this is the thing that, look, don't get me wrong, Trump was absolutely a huge problem in the midterms. I, I will die on that hill. He's a huge problem. But even during the midterms, he really wasn't doing too many rallies. He did like one for Vance, one for Oz. And that's like the only ones I can, I think there was one in Iowa. There was one in Florida, but it it was not. And I get, he wasn't on the ballot, but it was nothing like past years where he was barnstorming all over the place all the time. And then he announces for president and then goes radio silent. Basically he wasn't on Fox doing interviews. He wasn't on, you know, Newsmax doing interviews. He, he, there's like a bit, very quiet media campaign, if any at all. And again, I get that we're in fucking December of 2022. But if you're going to announce for president, you and actually, if your goal of announcing to president was to force other people out of the field, you would think you would actually be like taking proactive steps to achieve that goal and not just, you know, chilling down in Mar-a-Lago selling NFTs. So I don't even know if the motivation is there for him. Like what you're saying, okay, and Herschel down in Georgia, who, you know, blew the Senate race, big deal. Who's surprised by that? You might say, well, nobody wanted Trump to go. Since when has that stopped Trump from doing anything? Has there ever been a time where somebody said, sir, please don't come here. We don't want you. And he said, you know what? That's for the best. No, if he wanted to go to Georgia and hold a rally, he would have went to Georgia and hold a rally. And then you could say, well, maybe he knew that Walker was going to lose and he didn't want to tie himself to a losing campaign. I don't know, man. Again, that's not really in Trump's DNA where he's going to stay out of a losable, uh, uh, you know, a race he's going to lose for the good of himself. He's not that good of it at avoiding rakes. So it's just like he's not done any rallies, I don't think, since he's announced for president. Um, And then just the last thing I'll say before I get off so other people can talk. Is just, um, again, we don't know what the uh, Florida governor's plans are, but he's got a book coming out. And uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were saying uh, they had sources that when DeSantis decides to make his move, isn't going to be until after the uh, Florida um, assembly sessions over, like in May, which I think is about right if he was going to announce. But like Tom Cotton straight up came out and announced he wasn't running. So I think if DeSantis was definitive, he wasn't going to run. We would know by now. Um, so I think it, at the very least, it's up in the air. But to me, also all signs point to yes. And again, that the the, uh, the discrepancy that somebody tweeted, I think it was Bonchi, uh, where DeSantis is tweeting about polls and hurricane relief and stuff, and then Trump is tweeting his NFT collection. I think it's just you know it's just a sight to behold, really. Samuel, you're a smart kid. What do you think happens if DeSantis decides not to run? Jesus, that's going to be then. Okay, so I already think that there will be a decent amount of people to jump in. If DeSantis stays out, everybody and their mothers is jumping in. I mean, everybody. Gnome's jumping in. Pompeo's in. Pence's in. Like a lot of people we already think are going to be in are 100% in announcing the next day. You're going to have fringe people. Uh, when I say fringe, I mean just nobody fucking gives a shit about them. Mike, like Mike Lindell. Austin, 
Larry Hogan, Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney, everybody will be in. We'll see a 30-candidate field because everybody smells blood, but I think Trump wins then. I, I don't think there – I think there's only one person who can legitimately defeat him. Uh, I'm not saying there's no one else that can do damage or do well, but you're going to have to do really – you're going to have to be top of the top of the line. And I, I think there's only one guy, but I think everybody will jump in if DeSantis bows out. Uh, it will be interesting to see. I agree that, you know, releasing a book certainly is is one of those things that happens. I think Tim Scott has a book coming out as well. Marco Rubio has a book coming out. Um, so those are that's generally usually a sign or one of the first signs that, you know, on the on the box checking to announcing a candidacy. That's generally one of the first things that happens. So we'll see. Yeah. So Samuel, thanks for your thoughts. Have a good I'm not seeing, like I said, the app is glitching out a bit. I'm not seeing the ring, my speaking ring. So we'll just kind of do our best to go with this. But JD. Yeah, can you hear me, Steve? Yep, you're good. Go ahead. Perfect. Yeah, I had a couple of just points I wanted to make about the must situation. And I noticed this on a couple of your points you made last night on your Twitter feed. I really resonated with your point about Musk responding to AOC. That is where his strength is, 100%. Couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, as far as his censoring, I, you know, I kind of am in the middle, like your first caller from Australia there. You know, I think the assembling of data, the, the private data, or not the private data, but the public flight data and sort of the assembling of it and then sort of, you know, putting it all together to where his, his plane is going to be and, and, you know, where do we draw the line between just publicly available data and then assembling publicly available data from several sources to clearly, you know, arrive at a location where he's going to be. And then, of course, you have the car. So, I, you know, I'm kind of in the middle there. And, you know, Would, I, I agree. Do you think there's an argument to be made that that's just good investigative journalism? Well, I mean, you know, I, I guess you really get down to the, or, to the question or do, of which... or do you think that it has to be like a an actual event or story? So um, tracking his plane in real time, if he's just flying from California to Texas is not a newsworthy story. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm trying to think of like a newsworthy story where like, let's say an event happens with Musk and now we're tracking his plane to see where he's headed or something, or, you know, I don't know, maybe there's an SBF style thing that happens with him. I'm not suggesting that I'm just making up something allegedly. So I'm not fucking banned or sued. Um, But do you think that there is like a legitimate journalistic angle to, let's say if there's an event that has happened around him, tracking his flight to see where he's going. I I make that, I make that argument, not because I necessarily believe it, because I'm just picking brains, Um, but do you, you know, like we see this happen with college football coaches all the time. Like, uh, we see, we see this happen. I think there was one with Peyton Manning at the time. People were, you know, tracking his jet where he was going and visiting as far as free agents was concerned. Um, and so, no, it's not, it's not tracking private data. It's not, it's not even really the definition of doxing, you know, and this is my problem with him in his stated policy where he says from here, from now, from henceforth, 
any real any revelation of real time tracking of an individual is considered doxing. And it's like, okay, so are we banning car chases off of Twitter now? Are, you know, are we banning celebrities who are at the White House? You know, where, how specifically does this track? And this is the problem is instead of him sitting down with a team to work this, these questions out, he's making a rule. Then he's basically going back and telling his team how to retro, retroactively fit that policy to the tweet he just made. And that's exactly what old Twitter was doing in different sorts of ways. Uh, sorry, Jade, but that was just my question. Do you think that do you think that it's it, this kid Sweeney using bots to find his flight in real time using you can argue, you know, questionable methods. But do you think that there's a, a, a legitimate investigative journalist? Yeah, I think your 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 template, your example of, you know, if Musk was involved in sort of a hypothetical SBF situation. Yes, I do in that case. And I think that's where it gets into the gray zone of what what is the definition of doxing here? And and I responded to Glenn Greenwald's tweet about, you know, this if he would sit down, like you said, with a team of, of professionals in law and and really sketch out something that can be used to kind of guide policy as opposed to you know, like you point out, and, and I saw you take some heat for this too. And I, you know, I kind of was just in it for the, you know, really distilling what you said, because I initially was sort of, well, Musk has, you know, Musk is in the right here, but what you bring up is, is really true as well. And so, I mean, he needs to sit down and flesh something out, but I guess, you know, is he going to do that? I mean, he has all the, you know, you would think that he has all the, the cachet to do so. I mean, if he, if he were to call up Glenn Greenwald and some others, and say, hey, we need to put together a publicly available terms of service that's clear and concise. I, I would imagine that everybody would be on board with that. Um, you know, so I guess the question of really what is doxing, you know, I mean, if if the person who put together the, the coordinates and, and, and all that located his plane and it came down, and then let's say somebody was, was there on the ground to, to go after his kid. I mean, that, that kind of approaches that it's like an edge case almost. Um, you know, so I think that that definitely needs to be clarified. And the other point too, that I think really speaks to, to your point is that he went beyond just the doxing scenario there. Like he was banning some accounts just for linking to the information. So it was, it was really starting to become, I think a little bit more emotionally, you know, the emotional tenor of, of some of the bands, like for example, why was Keith Olbermann banned? I mean, what, what, what was the motivation for that? Uh, he, Keith Olbermann basically, I don't know if it was the Rupert tweet or someone else's tweet. He said, copy this exact tweet, put in the link, whatever. And then he did that. And he was banned for linking to either Mastodon or the Elon Jet account on Mastodon. And so this is kind of what I mean about going overboard, kicking Kate Natopoulos out of Twitter spaces for what yeah. we don't know. Um, he's someone who promised transparency around things like this, and he, it doesn't seem like he's doing that. It seems like he's kind of on a vendetta mission right now, um, l- blocking links to Mastodon itself um, and calling the safe on site. Well, that's what Twitter did to the Hunter Biden New York Post story, um, banning the D.C. traffic helicopter traffic tracker account, which had nothing to do with Elon Jet. It had nothing to do with linking to the Elon Jet account or anything. It was just, it's a, it was a helicopter traffic tracker uh, and it would track police helicopters. It would track news helicopters, military and say, okay, there's a lot of action over DC. What's going on here? Um, And that account's now banned. And so he's, he's 
exercising these, his kind of authority and his policy in directions that have nothing to do with the incident at hand. And that's where I'm kind of stepping in and going, all right, what's going on here? Why is he doing this? Uh, and like I said, to me, it looks like he's just basically doing this on the whims of his personal biases and uh, emotions around uh, the incident with his son. And he's basically sending a warning to people to, uh, you know, don't cover me personally, don't cover my family, uh, which I agree, his kids aren't newsworthy. Um, but he's kind of putting the fear of God into people over this. And like I said, uh, there's people that agree with him doing this. There's people like me that I don't see how this is a sustainable way to manage a global social media platform, just kind of on your own whims. Um, and, uh, but I guess we'll see. Uh, once again, there's, there's, it looks like some audio glitches happening. So I'll just give it a second to work through it. One, one last thing just before I go. We'll, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I did jump into that Twitter space briefly. And I was curious if you had heard the discourse there. It was like maybe like three minutes and then he left kind of abruptly. Through that Twitter space last night for like three minutes. And did you hear any of that discourse? Uh, it's the intro to my podcast from today. Um, I didn't, I was in and out of that Twitter spaces last night. Uh, there was like Jason Calcanis, for example, who was working with Musk at Twitter, or at least was on, you know, getting stuff up to snuff. He was kind of defending Musk and he was getting dogpiled by, you know, seven speakers of journalists. And I, I thought like, yeah, this is why people don't like you. Um, and this, I mean, there is a lot of, like I said, grave dancing on the political right. And, you know, the, one of the things that come out of this is people were saying, you know, my attitude is this is wrong, but it is funny. And I don't disagree with this. But the idea that you think that any of these people are going to learn from this, uh, you haven't been paying attention for as long as I have been. They're going to use this and they're going to continue this. And they're going to, like I said, it's going to create this adversarial feedback loop that's just media versus Musk and media versus Musk and, media, and whatever. And no good is going to come from that for anybody. And like what Samuel said, uh, I got to say, I'm just, I'm kind of fucking bored of it. If I'm being honest, I, I have to do this for a living. I, so when this happens, I thought last night, I even tweeted, I'm like, I'm going to be up so fucking late over this because that's my job. So it's, there's times when I feel like I can turn it off and just go do my thing. But there's other times like when something like that happens and it was a pretty significant thing, you know, Musk is basically signaling that this isn't really uh, an open platform like he said it would be. It's it's now a platform that is he's making policy and it's his platform. Like I said, he can do it, uh, but he's basically just making policy over circumstances that happened to him personally in his life. And that's not an open speech platform. So well, you can call it whatever you want, but it's not what he says he was going to turn Twitter into. And that's ultimately, I think, a fact that far too many people who are just blindly defending him are, are, are missing. JD, did you want to finish up? I'll give you a last word. No, I, yeah, thanks, Jay. I just want to say, do you give do you give Musk any credit for actually jumping in there for three minutes? Uh, yeah, but the thing is, is 
he kind of speaks in kind of vague generalities because I don't even think he understands the policy that he's making. So he jumps in and he says, if you dox, you're banned, that's it. Even if you're a journalist, uh, you're all just citizens, no more special treatment. Now, I do think that journalists were granted special treatment under the old Twitter regime. And so uh, the fact that he says rules are going to apply equally, that's great. But this appears to be a really shitty rule. And he's kind of using his own, you know, vague, murky definition of doxing uh, to kind of react around the incident with his son. Um, And he's kind of like I said, he's just he's redefining words. And this is all the shit that people used to hate that Yoel Roth used to do. And I get people just, you know, a good chunk of people on Twitter, they just want revenge. And they love that they have a guy on their side who's doing this to them. Yeah, I get that. Unfortunately, I, I cannot, I'm not in a position to where I can allow myself to kind of look at that. I have to think about what does this do for the long term? What does this do for these journalists that he banned? He, he ultimately just elevates them. And like I said, people are now going to be sick of the fact that Aaron Rupar's on CNN. Well, you only have Elon Musk to blame for that one. So I guess enjoy it now. Aaron Rupar is going to be getting book deals and television deals now and all of this stuff because that's what media is going to do. They're going to hold him up as a martyr against, you know, the world's richest man. sort of. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, J.D. Uh, doctor, hold on there one second. J.D., go ahead and meet your mic. I'll just boot you. I'm going to try to bring... Okay, it should be working now. Yep, go ahead. I can hear you. Uh, so fire off a quick couple, a quick couple of thoughts. I think my main point is going to be is that I agree with most of what you what you've been saying. And what what I, what don't you agree with? Let's get spicy. It's no fun if everyone agrees with me. So what don't you agree with? There's really not much that I disagree with. Even though, like, I do kind of, I'm in the crowd of, like, I'm mostly indifferent, even though I think most of this, what what Elon Musk is doing is wrong, it is kind of that enjoyment of the certain people that said, oh, private company can do what they want and get their sort of comeuppance. But my main... Yeah, I I won't deny that if you... You got this and uh sorry if i cut out there but yeah under the old company it was private company we can they can i think i'm cutting out here you have the eu threatening to sanction him and they're they're threatening to haul him in front of congress and it's like look i get i get the irony and the hypocrisy behind all of this but uh, as I said, he, he said that this platform was going to be run differently, and it doesn't appear that it's. Yeah, that's what I said earlier, like under your, uh, one of your uh, spectator articles, is that like it's no different from the last from the last guys, even though like, even though Musk is supposed to be just more or less like a more ally to the right than so much of Yule Rothen, which I get word, but I think I do agree with one point you make that he's just making it up along as it goes and. I'll add on to it is that I think, in a way, he is realizing how much more complicated content moderation is. Because it's different, like, yeah, say, we, if you bring we back talked about, Yeah, like, we talked about this last night with Kanye. Like, 
I was going to say that too. Yeah, Kanye is that like you think? Oh, this is harmless. I'll just bring the guy said, back, give him a second chance. And then, you said oh, you shit, he goes full Nazi that. and then find a band. And also, he brought uh, back Mike Lindell today, so that'll be interesting. I mean, all of these accounts. So I know, like, he brought back Laura Loomer. I don't follow Laura Loomer, so I'm not getting any of that. So I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care who he brings back or who he doesn't. I don't follow those accounts. Good for them. Uh, yay, whatever. Like, that's this is kind of what old Twitter didn't even realize is, you know, like Gateway Pundit is brought back on Twitter. And it's kind of like, I didn't follow Gateway Pundit. I mean, who cares? And so yeah. I don't even see these accounts. Um, I, I don't even see adversarial accounts. I don't think I've seen a Bulwark account, a tweet or a Lincoln Project tweet. And that tells me just based on my new experience with since he took over, that there was, in fact, you know, de-boosting and boosting of accounts. And, you know, I saw a great Twitter thread, yeah. I forget from who, who basically said Twitter was doing this on purpose. They were trying to get adversarial accounts to spar with each other because that brings engagement and it gives people that kind of that dopamine rush. And I do think that there's something to that. But, I mean, that's one thing I can say definitively since – uh, the new the new boss has taken over. Is I don't see as many of those tweets. Any, I don't. I haven't seen a Kyle Griffin tweet, for instance, in three weeks. Like not even in my feed. Not someone quote tweeting. And it's interesting because that is not something to me that that happens organically. I think for me is that like I just I always keep my tweets on latest tweets, and if I use home, then I'm gonna get stuff from like people that I don't follow or don't particularly like. Which is funny because then the whole left was like freaking out and treating it as conspiracy theory, even though that's always the way Twitter's operated. But I don't know. Like, I don't think also, too, is that like, I don't know if he's rectified it completely because I don't know if it's just the nature of the app, but it's like you still see a lot of that like dumb left wing shit that gets like a thousands of thousands of likes and still gets like boosted up to like the top of the trending pages on Twitter. So. I don't know how much of an effect he is having on, say, like the, the changes of the platform. Uh, I'd like to see more technical updates, more technical backgrounds about what they're doing on the back end and less culture yeah. war shit from him on, on tweeting. So, But that's just me. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get off here. That's all, uh, that's all my thoughts for tonight. Okay. Okay, Joseph, thanks. Sorry about the... Uh... Can you hear me? Yep, you're yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was I'm concerned the last the last uh, 24 hours concerned me primarily in the way that people were reacting to all the the variations of the story that could be told and their their justification for the decisions. Yes. Um, what they were. Yeah. That's the biggest part that concerns yeah, me because everybody, everybody had made up their mind. Uh, without stepping back and looking at what was actually happening. And, you know, if if you love Elon Musk, then it's doxing. And if you don't like him, it's fascism. And, so, and it's like nobody's actually taking a step back to look at what is actually being done surrounding the events of why he's doing it. So, but yeah, no. And so so they're, they're just trying to re quickly recap what the scenario is. 
you know, there was a person who's tracking his plane and has been doing so for a very long time and posting this information using sources that are, are publicly available. At some point in time, Elon's security team or Elon himself requested that his planes no longer have a particularly identifiable, almost like a license plate that to identify them. So this this person way back in February started using a, a bit of you know mathematics and some deduction to de to uh, re reduce the number of possible planes to a few and most of the time be able to figure it out. So way back in February, this person was doing it. Elon has now called this doxing, but also told people in several locations that this was illegal and he would be pressing charges. And that's in contrast to him saying that he would allow the guy to continue publishing. So there's almost no explanation for what's actually going on. Is what the person's doing um, a crime? If so, then that would be in line with what Elon had said about his stance on free speech. But he should have known that back in February before he said he would allow it. So the the justification for this and calling it doxing is is sort of like a retroactive stance that Elon himself is taking. But let's assume for a moment that you say it's doxing because Elon took steps to make it private. Does that mean posting the link, and no one can answer this for me, but does that mean posting the link to the the, plane, the the site that tells you all of these planes' current locations across the globe, is that against the rules? Are you doxing under this policy? Is posting a link to Mastodon allowed today? I don't know. So on the Twitter, in the Twitter <laughs> spaces, he called that evading a ban. So, yeah, he made he made that up because that's not ban evasion. Ban evasion used to be when you sign up a new creating account. a new account off of an old account. Right, you got banned, so you signed up a new account to still be on Twitter. That was ban evasion. What he called ban evasion last night was tweeting a link that contains a link to the information that he wants to ban, and that's not ban evasion. He, he I don't think he's really familiar with all of the policies because he hasn't been at the job that long, and he's had he's probably had technical focuses as opposed to policy focuses, and that's why he kept them the same. You know, you enter the you enter the environment, you say I'm going to keep these policies the same, just just you know status quo. There are people who understand them; they're going to enforce them with a little bit. Uh, looser of an interpretation to allow more things. Okay, fine. But then he wants to get in the muck and he just starts naming different things of the policy that aren't actually what he's talking about. And it just adds confusion. So now I don't know if I were to write a Substack article tomorrow, could, what could I discuss in that? And how could I discuss it in that Substack article so that people who read it don't share it on Twitter and get themselves banned or get, or I get don't. you banned for writing it. Right. And if he's if he's kicking journalists now out of Twitter spaces, this is kind of what I mean. This is the shit that's troubling to me with this platform is I'm not a big fan of Katie Notopoulos. She's someone who uses leftist activism through tech, and she's very much along the lines of Charlie Warzels and Kara Swishers and Taylor Lorenzes and stuff like that. But all she did was host a Twitter space with account with those accounts. Now is Musk banning her because she allowed accounts that were banned into the Twitter space because that that was a glitch or a flaw. So the accounts that he banned could still access Twitter spaces. And I thought that was kind of funny, by the way. Um, and so he jumped in and he was talking. So is he now punishing her for hosting a Twitter space that allowed ban banned accounts into it because of a glitch on the back end coding of Twitter? He, he's not saying, like, he needs to explain now why Katie Natopoulos 
cannot join Twitter spaces. What rule did she violate? We don't know. And this is, I'm telling you that this is a massive fucking problem that he's acting like this. And again, the only thing that seems to be the catalyst was the incident with his son. And again, making emotional whim policy like this is not good. Um, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I want to read what Bati Younger Sargon wrote. Uh, she said, pretending that sharing public information is the same as doxing is exactly the kind of rebranding, double think and safetyism to protect private interests and dis dismiss valid criticism that is the left's bread and butter. It's absolutely wild to see the right fall for this. I'm not saying you have to feel sympathy for the folks who were banned. They wouldn't if you were banned. That's for damn sure. I'm saying has some dignity. You're being used. And that's kind of where I am on this. Uh, there's a whole lot of people who need to remove their noses from Elon Musk's ass. Yeah, and I um, there, if you were going to do um, like a lead by example sort of of uh, stance, he posted someone's license plate to 120 yep. million people and asked them to help him identify someone yep. when he can hire private investigators his own damn self. And so now the question is, is it okay if someone claims, because we didn't see any crime in the video, he's just posting, hey, can someone identify this person for me? So now right. if, if any person on the internet says this person said the N-word at me and they start filming without the N-word being in there, and now, hey, let's identify this, is that inbounds? I don't know. Yeah, and a license plate is technically, you know, it's, it's our, it's borderline. You're not supposed to do it. Um, you know, but again, posting, would Elon Musk ban someone for posting his license plate? I guess right. that's a question now. And, and you bring up a good point about if I wanted to write about this story and I include Elon jet in there and he, he talks about exactly, like I said, at the outset of the podcast, how he does this, how he gets around the PIA uh, FAA uh, privacy device or the, the privacy program, uh, would, would my account be banned for simply showing how this guy says he does this? Um, and these are all problems he's not thinking about. And uh, what, what troubles me with all the grave dancing on these asshole journos is nobody like who writes, majority for the people on the political right who do this aren't thinking about this stuff either. Uh, Tom Rogan did last night at Washington Examiner. Uh, obviously I raised my concerns with this, but again, the Federalist is over here basically saying, yeah, fuck these guys. And it's like, you know, it's not that we're better than you, but you do have to put some intellectual honesty into this debate and say, hold on. I get that these people are scum. Trust me. Nobody knows this more than I do. Uh, there's not a single person on that ban list where, you know, I'm like, Hey, that guy's a nice guy. You should let like that. But it's kind of like, just like old Twitter, if they're going to do it to Alex Jones, what stops them from doing it to you or what stops them from doing it to Babylon B? And if Musk is acting in this kind of aggressive, irrational manner, what stops him from, say, him reading my spectator piece and going, yeah, you're banned like that. And it's just kind of like that's the concern that I have. It's I do. I don't view this guy kind of as an ally. Even Glenn Greenwald said that he's he's written, you know, uh, prior to Elon Musk's kind of weird speech stances that don't really seem to align with anything other than what he's feeling at a certain point. And that's exactly the fucking problem with having him like sitting at Twitter headquarters, just going ban, ban, ban. And then people just like, okay, I guess we got to come up with a policy for this.
Yeah, and, and so I mean, obviously, we have to see how it plays out, and maybe he'll he'll eventually have something that makes sense after some iterations. But you know, the 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 worst aspect is that you you have you have people that you're with on on that site continuously and the policies change midstream and and nobody can make sense of them but everyone pretends that they make sense or you know at least half of them pretend they make sense and that that becomes like a very difficult situation to navigate to actually fix them because pretending they make sense allows the problems to last longer so with that i'm gonna bid you adieu Good night. thanks doctor uh i was just writing uh aaron rupar is now on msnbc so all over MSNBC and then now, so great work. Uh, that's the problem with these kinds of actions. They never go the way you think. Uh, well, I was musked yesterday. How so? Banned from Twitter. And how so? Why did Again. that happen? Again. Well, I was complimenting uh, Jonathan Chait yesterday. Well, you kind mistake. of deserve a ban for that then. I was banned for giving him a compliment. What exactly was the compliment? What exactly did you say that and what how do you know that you were banned over that? Did you get a permanent ban? Did you get a suspension notice? What? I was permanently banned and I sent them um I don't know. I appealed it and they sent me a response back saying I conduct in violent hate speech. And what was the exact tweet that got you banned? So I was responding to Jonathan's article about um, transgender kids that he wrote um, about how maybe they screwed up and uh, transgender therapy might not be what they all said it was. Yep. And I said, um, so you can do Jonathan, you can do journalism, Jonathan. Um, now stop being a pansy ass bitch and do it more often. <laughs> and my account was nuked because it, uh, Elon says that I was engaged in violent harassment against other people on the basis of race, race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Well, uh, but pans, pansy ass bitch isn't like really, I'm trying to figure out like, well, I guess it's sexism technically. And I guess pansy could be gay. Uh, but again, those are loose interpretations, I guess, of those words. Uh, I was a compliment. He did journalism. <laughs> I was impressed. I couldn't believe it. And I was giving him a kudos. Uh, I did, and did you try to appeal it? I did, and that's what their response was, that I apparently engaged in harassment of whatever, race, national origin, sexual orientation, God only knows. And now I don't even want to get back on Twitter ever again. <laughs> yeah, I've had people ask me. I've, I've never, believe it or not, in my 11-some-odd years on Twitter, I've never had a suspension. I've, I have not been suspended once. I haven't even had a timeout. And uh, people ask how that's happened. Uh, I don't know. I think part of it is because I tweet a lot and they know that I, pro me, I probably make up a loan for 3% of all tweets. And so they would lose a lot of content. And then also, obviously, with a following that I, you know, a large following that I have. Um, when people ask me, would you come back? And I probably, I, nope, I don't think I would, you know. Um, 
people would know that they could get me on Patreon or Substack or they could get me here and uh, I could share all of my observations over here. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing to watch that have where people who get banned and they consistently try to create 50 accounts to try and get back on or whatever. Um, so, uh, but me myself, I, I would probably just bid adieu and that would be the end of it. We would, we enjoy our time together and that would be all. I think that's where I'm at. I've, I should have known when I cursed that that was probably a bad idea, but I don't know. I think I would. I was so impressed he did journalism that I couldn't help myself. I thought I'd tell him good job, but Chris whatever. Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, while we're on the topic, also held a special with uh, detransitioners, and that one surprises me as well. And uh, I, I think, I think the reasoning is I was reading, I did read the Chait piece and I did read reaction to it. Um, it's pretty much Jonathan Chait trying to save the progressives by saying you're going down a road that is wholly, wholly unpopular with about 95% of the country. And I think he was basically trying to rescue them from themselves by saying, uh, if you just blindly go into this debate, which is, I've said it, I, I have no idea how Ron DeSantis backed them into this corner. I mean, all, all Ron DeSantis has come out and said, we're against uh, 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 puberty blockers and surgeries for minors. And for some reason, that triggered Rachel Levine and a few others on the left to stand up against that. And it's kind of like you didn't have to do that, folks. You know, even if you even if that's what you think, it's one of those things where you just go, uh, OK, I guess that's where I guess that's where you're I guess that's where the debate is going to head with you folks. And now you have Joe Biden coming out and laying down the marker with it as well. And I mean, the goal is like with anything else, you just you put your finger in it, you, you know, you, you dip your toe into the debate and then you say, we have to protect these kids. We have to protect these kids. And before you know it, now there's taxpayer funding for uh, transition surgeries for minors. And uh, it's kind of part of my job and a few others to note to people like right here is what they're doing. And it's very much the the trans the surgeries for minors and the treatment, the gender affirming care debate is very reminiscent of what abortion is to me, which is, uh, as I've said, is uh, we we must do this. We must have taxpayer funding for this because it's a human right now, by the way. And but we must never talk about what the actual procedures entail. And that's where I see this debate going. It's just a question of uh, can, can it be stopped before it gets to that well, somebody earlier, you asked him what would happen if DeSantis didn't run. And I think that would just be so tragic, beyond tragic, honestly, because if he doesn't run, some jackass like Mike Lindell is going to run and win or Trump again. And um, I just think half the nation has their hopes pegged on DeSantis. And I just hope he does not screw this up because, I mean, just Don't. just like. The don't put your hopes. Don't put your hopes in politicians. I don't know. Your, still, I know you should never have loyalty to any politician, but there's so hopes. much right. I mean, you side. can vote for him and you can agree with him and you can say, "Hey, I think this is a good person. He's going to be on policy, whatever." But I mean, it, it's two years. You don't know. He, maybe yeah. he's like, "I like Florida too much. I'm not going back to fucking DC. It's cold." Uh, his wife, people forget, uh, is a recovering cancer patient. So maybe what happens if her cancer returns roughly around the time he's going to be mounting a campaign? Uh, and he's like, We're, I can't put her through this. There's a hundred things that could happen. And 
this is, you know, why I say that, you know, people have to be prepared for anything. And I think that that's how people were caught off guard in 20, you know, 2016, myself included, where we thought we knew Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee. We knew it for three years before she got it. And, you know, you had guys like me who were out here going, you know, we have a good young bench here to go up against, you know, a 120-year-old woman nobody likes. You had Marco Rubio, you had Rand Paul, you had people like, yeah, Ted Cruz, I probably would have even still voted for. Um, and then, of course, it's that old saying where, yeah, it's nice when you have a plan until you get punched right in the face. And so that's kind of what I'm here to prepare people for is, uh, you know, this isn't the 2024 election. We're actually in the 84th month of 2016. Absolutely right. I know. I know. Oh, it's going to be a shitty year and a half, but it's what it is. So anyways, I won't take any more of your time. All right, Josh. Thanks, Steven. Good luck trying to get back on Twitter. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll take Jacqueline and we'll wrap up with Robert, which happens a lot for some reason. Jacqueline, go ahead. How was the lightning game, by the way? It was great. We won four to one. And, uh, you know, we had the backup, and we didn't have Vazzy in the goal, so we still have a, a pretty good backup. It was a fun game, had great seats, saw some of my good friends, so it was an exciting night. That's why I decided to call in tonight, because I couldn't annoy you yesterday. Um, but pretty much everything that people have said about the whole must-Twitter scenario, I agree with. It's like he's just... Like you said, he's making things on a whim. Nobody understands what's happening. And everything can come back to bite his ass when it's on the when it's on the flip side. If he doesn't enforce the rules like he's saying that they are right now, it's just going to be a shit show. And I don't think he gets it. I do understand why he has that, you know, fatherly, like, protection of his children but you have to if you once you make the rules they have to be enforced the same way and so say because i saw someone on twitter earlier today talking about so is it doxing if i see someone at a restaurant um, that was yeah i mean and, i think that was samuel in patreon comments but someone else might have said it oh yeah if i see al pacino at a restaurant and i take this picture and i put it on my twitter feed is, yeah and I like mean, what happens when you go to like a, a football game and you're shown on the jumbotron so is that football team going to get in trouble because they showed your face on the jumbotron and then fox sports plays it for the rest of the country Oh, we all know that Peyton Manning's sitting here at this game. Like, is that doxing now too? What does real time like reporting mean? Uh, people think I'm joking when I say car chases. You know, like you, you if you follow uh, news accounts, like I follow NBC Los Angeles, for example, and let's say they they cut onto their Twitter feed with a with a car chase. That's real time reporting of someone's location and uh, there are circumstances where i don't think this is applies uh farad manju from the new york times for instance today did one of his fun tricks where he bill malusian was reporting on migrants who had crossed over into the u.s
call in. There it goes. Um, and Bill Malusian had tweeted on like migrants crossing and, and Elon Musk went, wow. And Farad Manju from the New York Times goes, is this doxing in real life location? And it's just like now, see, you're basically we're trying to have an honest debate about what this is. And then you have, of course, the New York Times journal step in and wag his finger at something that everyone knows is not actual doxing. But again, Musk has created these kind of arbitrary rules that nobody seems to understand or follow but him. And that's. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that and pretty much what everybody so far on this call has said. Um, I was going to go to uh, more towards the Trump NFT thing, because when I saw that yesterday, I just started cracking up because if that's your big announcement, you are the most ridiculous person ever. And you have, what did you think it was going to be <laughs> you had made it. when he said we need a superhero <laughs> kind of came out with that Homelander thing? What did you think his big surprise was going to be? Well, I didn't see his truth like about his announcements. I just saw like the, the, the actual the video. Text, of it? The, the, I just saw the text of it. I didn't watch the actual video of it. Okay. So I didn't know what I didn't know what it was, and everyone was speculating on Twitter what it was going to be. And then when I saw that, I was like, "Are you kidding me? A hundred dollars for a picture of you? Come on! Like, at least make it." I thought because I had to double check when I was reading, so I was like, "Does that say ninety nine dollars or nine ninety nine? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's again. Like, I mean, we can clown on it, but that people bought it up. I mean, that he supposedly sold them all, which is, I mean, it's a digital fu fungible token, but whatever. And as I said, they, I saw a report that one was going for $24,000 on eBay and people were bidding on it. So I... just, it's one of those things where we can sit here and we can laugh, but it, you know, these are things that we also kind of clowned on them and laughed on them in 2015 and 2016. And we saw what happened. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you in the sense of like, oh, okay. So, I mean, as I said last night and I said yesterday and on the podcast is Trump getting in on the NFT craze just as like the whole industry is collapsing in on itself is uh, it's perfect. It's perfect Donald Trump, you know, or whoever's advising him to do this. Hey, that SBF guy's in the news a lot lately with NFTs. What is that? Let's go look that up. Oh, hey, let's get you in on this. And uh, it's one of those just kind of timing things. But, I mean, people bought them. Yeah, I know, I know I saw that the same thing, that it got sold out. And um, and then I saw someone reply yesterday on Twitter. I think his name is Banchi, at Banchi something. Yeah, he's and, a writer at Red and he's State. like, choose, choose your... Yeah, choose, yeah, choose your fighter. And it's like Ron DeSantis announcing that same day that uh, he's cutting toll prices in half. And then you have Donald Trump saying, send me $100 for this picture of me. Like, and I saw people were commenting that were like Trumpers saying like, oh man, like, is that your announcement? I guess I got to go with Ronnie D now. So people like, it was just, I don't know who advised him on that. Or why they would advise him on that. I, obviously because he probably just thought it up and they just wanted their paycheck. But it was just completely ridiculous.
it looked like desperation to me. It looked like give me money. Uh, and like I said, he didn't seem entirely convinced about it because just in his video, he's like, uh, you know, one of the things is dinner with me. Not sure if that's a great thing, but it is what we got. And it just, I was just sort of cracking up because he wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even like he was uh, into the whole thing. So uh, Jacqueline, thank you. I'm going to move to Robert and, uh, and wrap up. It's good to hear from you. Uh, Robert. All right. Are you there, and, and I do, and I do apologize for audio issues. It's something I will make Colin aware of. They're really good at fixing this stuff. Uh, they're really on top of when I reach out and say, "Hey, I had some problems, whatever." But uh, th thanks for the notes. Yeah, and I was just going to say one of the things you were mentioning about the the copter account, um, the blocking the police copter. But one of the great features, and if you've been in a Tesla, they used to use Waze. I haven't been in one in a few years. But Waze was one of their integrated navigation aids. But one of the great features of that was also letting you know that, hey, there's a police up ahead. And that was something that then Apple also has incorporated at Apple Maps and their thing. So is that not doxing? I mean, Musk putting that application in his automobile is telling you there's a police officer around the corner. Are you familiar with it? Have you seen it? No, but I, I know I know what Waze did. And I know, you know, the onboard computing is put into Tesla and I, I think that depends on if you put that on Twitter. So it's not so much that it's in the car is that doxing. It's if you put that information up on Twitter. So if I if I'm driving in my Tesla and I take a photograph of that and say, oh, here's a police officer up ahead. Um, am I revealing personal information of myself or, or of someone else? So, again, he's using he's using his own kind of murky legal definition of doxing to basically justify um kicking this this account off of Twitter, banning the Elon Jet account, and preventing anyone else for linking to it at other social media sites. Yeah. And and I understand that. I'm just saying that here's an application that he's incorporated and Waze is a social site because it's group sourcing information on traffic and others. But it's telling you, hey, there's a police car sitting over here on the right side of the road. Slow down. Um it's real time something he's on. Um all that being said, like one of your guys earlier, I'm tired of Twitter being covering Twitter. You know, it is time to, there's a lot more going on in the world. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the, pro but, the um, problem with that, and I agree that, you know, it's sort of similar to how it was with Trump, which every day was just Trump. Exactly, and, and now exactly. Back to that, and there, I don't think that there's anything Musk wants more than people just talking about Twitter on Twitter. I think he wants that because he's, he's trying to build up a brand that he's going to try to charge money for. So unfortunately, you know, like I said, for someone like me, um, it's, it's unfortunately the business that I'm in. So trust me, no one is tired of this, more tired <laughs> of it. Real quickly in the, in the jet world and the stuff like that too, that's uh, the, I've got a couple of businesses that are not related to that, but I also operate as a pilot for a very large aviation company. And I read today, Ben Shapiro. So there's certain, I'm, I've got all sorts of non-disclosure agreements, so I can't go into too much other than vagueness. Ben Shapiro today talked about how he, Elon Musk does a lot to um, hide his, flight activities, including decoy jets. And he does do that. I mean, that's all I can say is that I know for a fact that, that is something he does. 
And so he's doing a lot to try to hide his stuff. And the company I work for, there are a lot of companies that use us as well to hide their activities for if they're going to look at something. Because like you'd mentioned earlier in this discussion that they're, uh, I don't know what he means, build the bike, Bo Adams saying. But anyway, on the, the comments. But there's a lot of companies that also will use us because you cannot track our aircraft or the individuals on them. Um, so it is common. So, that yeah, and if I if I recall, do- I thought Peyton Manning used a decoy aircraft too when he was going around doing uh, free agent signings. He didn't want people to really know what teams he was looking at or whatever. And uh, there was kind of one that was famous where he. Uh, God, he let he, he when he went to go talk to the Tennessee Titans, uh, Pete Carroll from the Seahawks and the GM found out his flight. Like they found out where he was going to be. They found out his flight number and everything like that. And so they showed up at the airport in Tennessee and Manning just basically told him to go home because he, he didn't like the fact that he got ambushed at the airport uh, <laughs> by the Seahawks, which is typical fucking Pete Carroll. Um, but I think that there was reports that he even did that. And so there are ways of doing this. But I mean, and, and like I said, I saw the whole thing happening with, uh, I think Tim Poole and I know Shapiro and a few others tweeted about the uh, the PIA program that he's in the privacy program for the FAA. And so everyone's using that as, see, it is doxing, it's private. And as I said, I looked at this, I looked more into this stuff and it's like, no, it's still public flight availability. You just have to kind of go workarounds uh, to go and find it. The FAA will hide that information, but it doesn't mean it's private. And so, again, it's, it's not the textbook definition of doxing someone's location or their identity uh, to cause malicious content, uh, intent. And there was no proof that Elon Jet was doing this on the behalf of malicious actors. The fact that a malicious actor took that information, used it, supposedly used it, although there's nothing that right now links this person using Elon Jet to find his kid in L.A., but the fact that a person uses that information to then go and track that down, you know, it's like you're blaming the tool to do that. And like I said, I'm not a fan of the Elon Jet. I think that that's stupid. It's, the, it, you know, it's like he's shaking his Adderall bottle to figure out a challenge to, you know, fine, I'm going to find your jet, Elon. And it's kind of like, I don't know, man, I think there's other hobbies you could probably have. Um, but again, this is something that is a useful tool, as Tom Rogan notes, you know, it's how they track Russian oligarch jets or planes. If you remember all the planes leaving Russia in the invasion of Ukraine, and that's how they basically found some of these Russian millionaires who fled Russia. Um, or again, even just entertainment purposes, college football, or like I said, free agent coaches stuff. So again, Musk is kind of linking the Elon jet account to show that this account directly doxed where my son was and whatever. And there's no real proof linking that, at least not yet. And the problem is, is Donnie O'Sullivan for CNN was reporting on that police report uh, to show that and he banned him. So it's like, wait, you can't even report on the police report. So it's kind of like uh, if you report on him, if you report not so much on his family, because I don't I don't think there's anything interesting with his family. Um, but that in that incident, it is newsworthy if they find this person or whatever. Uh, if any reporting is happening, uh, does that reporter get doxed over it? And so, 
Uh, again, it, it seems like he's just kind of making up arbitrary rules, which is fine, except this is a global communications platform where people are now once again, just as they were three months ago, wondering, hey, if I say this or tweet this or write this, am I going to get banned? And he promised a different platform with more transparency. And unfortunately, we're not. Yeah, no, I agree with everything on that. And I will say someone else said it, and I believe you also repeated it. We don't know what's happening. Um, I'm one to, to sort of slow play things, and we'll find out more. But, um, yeah, no, I I agree. It is a, it's a disappointment. When I heard that last night, I was going to bed, and I'm like, oh, that's disappointing, and then I had to go to sleep. But anyway, all right, enjoyed the show as always, and I'm signing off. Talk. Great, Robert. Thank you. Uh, that'll do it here for, uh, this episode. It's a good one. Um, tomorrow night up and here we go again. Uh, hopefully the audio issues will be fixed. I may be back here, say tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, uh, as I dig into the Twitter files. Uh, I will be back on Patreon tomorrow, uh, as promised, uh, just to make up for my sick day. If I can still talk, <laughs> So I feel fine, but my voice has just been through the ringer this week and last week. So, but I do plan on being back on Patreon tomorrow uh, and possibly maybe depending on my schedule tomorrow back here to talk more about the, uh, the final Twitter files. Uh, I'm just as sick of all the uh, stupid Twitter shit as you guys are, but thanks for bearing with me. Uh, it's been episode 75, the banning Elon Musk and the ethics of owning Twitter. Thanks again to my callers. Thanks again to my audience. Thanks for, there's a few of you out there. So thanks again for taking an, uh, an hour or two out of your time on this Friday night uh, to listen. And uh, once again, I'm Stephen O'Mell. This is Versus Media Live on call-in and hopefully 